De Niro's casting as the creature is distracting. Although he works hard to suggest a misunderstood loner, we can never forget it's De Niro under all that latex. This week, at 49%, we review Mary Shelley's That's how he says it in the movie. Don't, awesome. don't come at me. No. That's just how he says it. I didn't say it. Nope. He said it. Nope. Maybe don't come at you. You just did it at the front. Yeah, yeah, that's true. All right. Bring it on. I'll, I take accountability for this movie. <laughs> that I'll I take accountability for this movie. Bail. Uh, it just And just so we're clear, for, with this run of How Low Can We Go, we have been bouncing back and forth between Metacritic and Rotten Tomatoes. We're going to do that all the so, way down. So this is 49% on Metacritic. It's also 49% on the audience review of Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah, weird. Yeah, it's kind of like a little double a little double whammy action there. Uh, so this movie stars everybody. <laughs> Everyone's in it. <laughs> Everyone's in this movie. No, I mean, the cast is absurd. De Niro, Kenneth Branagh. Um Helena Bonham Carter, Ian Holm, Aiden Quinn, and John Cleese. We did not know props him. to that. That's amazing. He's kind of he's kind of been sucking lately, and so this movie <laughs> he, yeah, was, I, he was great. No, I mean, it was just props to whoever arranged to, to make it so that he was completely unrecognizable. I did, I did not, not know catch it was, it was him. him. I did he not. He plays know. Frankenstein's evil mentor, which we'll get to, but is a cool thing that this movie added. The most. You know who I thought it was? I don't know this actor's name off the top of my head, but. Whoever the bad guy is in the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles three, when they go back in time to like, <laughs> you know, they go thought, back in time. That, yeah. just, that reminds me because Amityville in space just dropped, and it just reminds me how. Oh, I wanted to watch cool. the trailer for that. I saw the I saw the, the art for it. And it looked it looked crazy. It does. It, it looked, looked it looks really good. good crazy actually. All right, so how did we come to this movie? Okay, so the back background of this movie is um we're, you're a huge Bram Stoker Dracula the movie Love fan. It. I am I I really like that movie. I I'm a I like the horror uh, fiction side. I read a lot of horror li- fiction growing up, so I even have I, Frankenstein on yeah, the bookshelf. He's like looking at us, while, yeah. staring at us while we're and the horrified Universal. So yeah. so um, I like the stories, and then I watched Universal monster movies as a kid. So anything with these properties is going to be really exciting for me before it comes out. But I've never watched this movie, and the reason I never watched it was the reception for it was so disheartening that I never wanted to be that disappointed to watch it. So I've just avoided it all this time. It's, um, how about you? Did you, yeah, no, I mean, I've, I've always known about it right. and it's always, and one why those... did you not watch it? <sighs> <laughs> I don't know, dude. It was one of those things. Well, first of all, it's longish. It's, it's, over two it's hours. kind of long, but you know, Bram Stoker's Dracula is pretty long too, but like, I don't know. There was just something about, I'd always seen, um, Robert De Niro's Frankenstein makeup. Mm hmm. And for me, it was always kind of like, eh, you know, I want the bolts. I want the, you know, yeah, I want the, I want the big giant green forehead. You know, I want, I want all that. I, I honest to God, I don't know. I really don't know why I haven't seen it. I, there was, there was no, there was, I could, there was no, like there was no driving force. Right. Like if I was brand new to horror movies, mm-hmm. 
someone's like, I need to see, I need to see these these Dracula movies. Are any of them any good? And you'd be mm-hmm. like, yeah, you know, watch the, you know, watch the Bella Lugosi one. Definitely check out the Bram Stoker's one. He's got funny hair in it, but it's really good. Mm-hmm. You know, you could even say some of the Dracula's daughters. Like, there's a yeah, lot yeah, that you could course. do. You got, you could there's do million. there with Frankenstein. You got the original. Interesting. And we, I think last time we did one where... So you don't think the franchise supports it enough to kick it into your radar the way a Dracula... I mean, there's a lot more vampire movies than... Yeah, Dracula. there's no, there's really no driving force for it. And, this and it also failed. So because it failed, it wasn't being aired all the time on Yeah, the other one like, won people, Oscars. Right. <laughs> like, okay. <laughs> okay, so we missed it for the reason everyone missed it. All right, so... Now we've arrived at how low can we go? We are in the 40s. Yeah, this is is a new bracket. This is a new bracket. And this is must be how you felt about Malevolent because I hated this. But there are things we can I can fight for in this movie, and you too. So strangely enough, like (laughs) this movie starts out really bad. Like this movie, it's oh weird. I loved how it started. It's (laughs) that's interesting. No, like it. It for me, the movie didn't pick up until we got to Frankenstein enrolling in a college at the ripe young age of 47 <laughs> and <laughs> to me it was yeah it was like mtv music video bad like these people were way it, off it it was it was a little weird but um for me the, the the movie started off really bad but then once he went off to college and the cool lab scenery started appearing mm-hmm. more and more mm-hmm. that's when the movie got mm-hmm. a little bit better and a little bit more interesting overall mm-hmm. this movie is bad but it's it's fun to watch so there's a lot of tiktoks hidden inside this movie and i find that interesting there's like how do you sew up a body in this time period or Mm -hmm. how do you preserve a body part in this when they started to do the lab stuff it was like there were these little segments that could have just basically been like gruesome this age tiktoks like of how to do gruesome things in a bot in a lab with various body parts and those were cool right like it and, and it was edited so badly they were so chopped up that it kind of felt like tiktoks which <laughs> almost probably was worse for the movie then and now it plays a little better i don't know it, it, that part of the movie is good yeah so that brings us to order of discussion yes so this is what we talked about mm-hmm. in Texas Chainsaw, and it's kind of a new thing that I'm we're throwing around. Us, yep. Yeah, where we kind of just picked the three things that stood out to us the most, and it kind of helps us filter through what we liked, what we disliked about the movie. Yep. The first thing on there that I think you and I both agreed on is um, the labs. The yes. labs in the school, like yep. John Cleese, I still can't believe that's him, to right. be completely honest. Like, I kind of want to rewatch a few scenes and be like, are you sure? Are you sure? <laughs> it didn't look like him. It was cool. Um his like secret lab at the college with all the textbooks. And mm-hmm. I think it was like a monkey's hand that he had, had hooked up to all the electrical that was a stuff. Great bit. I thought that looked really great. I thought the, cause um, the monkey's hands like disembodied, just floating there and they're sparking it and making it twitch. And it, it goes full Calvin from life. Once they really pump it with juice, like, <laughs> yeah. it starts breaking the, it's holding this guy's hand. It starts breaking his wrist. Or whatever. It's, <laughs> it's cool. It's yeah. I thought, I thought that looked really great. Um, the attic laboratory mm-hmm. I thought was really um it was really kind of neat. It, it was a good twist on it was more practical than than the old Frankenstein lab. It was more functional. It had a body delivery system that was hilarious. Yeah, he had was, like he, you said it was like the Rue Goldberg kind of. It was of like the like, Rue Goldberg yeah. It was it was like a vacuum tube thing at an old post office. You just shoot the body over to where you need it. It was cool. I, was cool too. I really did um 
enjoy the the way it looked more so than um the the house or the manor whatever you want to call it because because yep. alex and jenny we, we had we had made some dinner and then you and i started watching the movie and they went into the living room they could still you know where they could still mm-hmm. see the tv yeah and we were all kind of clowning saying that the way the house looked kind of felt like a high school slash you know bad college play like it just looked like everything was Very painted stagey, by yep. stagehands <laughs> like it just it didn't Absolutely. look good at all it looked terrible so in comparison i thought the labs they looked great. they looked great it was a really interesting choice too because i didn't realize until i watched this movie that the old labs are so angular they're all like edges and angles and and whatever and he went with very globular. Everything was like Brassy. round, right? And and it was a cool. It was like be, if if you're an actor and they give you the role of Hamlet, like you got the first thing you got to do is like, how am I going to do the to be or not to be speech? Like that's the hill you got to climb, right? You got to mm-hmm. figure out you're going to be judged on that like one thing, right? So when you're doing Frankenstein, the lab design is one of the hills you got to climb, and they nailed that in this. I got to admit, no, it looked it looked really good, and also. So I didn't watch the movie because I had seen the creature makeup mm-hmm. of Robert De Niro as mm-hmm. the monster, um, but it did it did kind as of the monster the, mon- the, the monster. monster. Well, he kept he kept talking because like his lips were sewn up. So every when he first said Frankenstein, it was always like Frankenstein. Right. Like it was kind of like with a list, and so but he was trying to say it menacing, and it came out like really kind of <laughs> silly. Um, but I will say like as the movie went on, I I kind of dug it. I yeah. I, it's it's nowhere near as iconic as Boris Karloff's, obviously, but no, you could see what they were going for. Yeah. When, he, when it got hazy and his like insane eyes were staring out from that really scarred up face, you you could see what they were going for. It just almost never worked. But but know. I liked I liked the scars. Yep. Um, I you know he kind of had like he was kind of deformed looking from all the you know the surgeries. Yeah, and they I, liked the design so much they did it again. For no reason. Yeah, that was... That For was... literally no goddamn reason. <laughs> that part I do not <laughs> agree with. But he also had, like, the cool trench coat. Like, he had, like... Uh-huh. He had a look that I think had some kind of weight to stand on you. its own. So I'm it wasn't... It, it wasn't It wasn't a total disaster. I, I agree. It wasn't a total disaster. Um, second order discussion. And mm-hmm. I, I do agree with, with this as the second thing. Um, the Arctic exploration aspect of the oh, movie, yeah. which I mean, if you if you're like me, like I just saw Frankenstein a couple years ago when mm-hmm. when we went to see it at the Egyptian theater right. during the Monster Marathon, and I never and I I I you know I've never read the book. I had no idea that an Arctic exploration was even right, remotely no, yeah, right. in because it's not really heavily featured. <laughs> yeah, but I but I really loved what it what they what it stood for mm-hmm. in comparison to what Frankenstein was doing. So I mean that was the part you really liked. Like what 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 resonated yeah, with you? Yeah, cuz that it's something that this movie was able to to point out to me that I, that the other movies didn't, which is cool. You know, it was a cool moment for this movie. I was rooting for this movie to be better than than, <laughs> than I feared that it was going to be, right? And the Arctic thing is interesting in that it stands for the extremes of the time. Like mm. until they show you how insane these journeys were to try to do, you don't really get it, right? It was suicide. It was literally the dumbest spot to wake up one morning and be like, I live in like, you know, London and I, I want to go to the South Pole is you might as well just like walk in front of a, in front of a, like <laughs> right. a, a, a coach of horses or whatever, right? Because 
you're not going to make it. You're going to die. Like the insane things they would have to do. The ship grounds in the ice in the beginning of this movie. And it's, that's just it. It's just over for the whole <laughs> ship. It's over. And then you're just there for it. Like you got to walk home now, right? You're going to chop up your ship and try to survive. So when you see how extreme this is, you realize that the captain of an enterprise like that is taking his crew to their death. Right. And Frankenstein and he thinks it's for a better good. He he literally is like, I'm 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 gonna find a new route that lets us do things easier, and it's gonna change people's lives. He's trying to get to the South Pole. And he wanted like his a, he wanted his name. He wanted his name. Is right. right. The name thing was a yeah. big deal. Right. And but but so but but also he thought they were good effects societally from this from this. And so does Frankenstein. He thinks he's curing death. <laughs> right. Is the best thing you can well, do. Well, his mom dies, and then he's like. All right. right, well, I'm gonna fix this problem. Right, he's right, exactly. <laughs> this this thing. Yeah, no one else's mom's ever died before that. <laughs> that unfortunately, was a, but was thank God this happened to him, so he could shut death down for us. Like, but, but world's popular with, with to his me, mom. with his unique motivation. But so he, you know, it's it's a it's a it's a suicidal thing to attempt. And Frankenstein, as soon as he starts to do this, he meets a guy who tried to do this exact thing and walked away from it. He's like, no, don't go there. And he goes there anyway. And he ends up like the captain of the ship, like literally in the same place, looking the same way with the same disaster. All haggard and frostbit. And at the end of the movie, the captain changes his mind and says, I'm going home. He turns back. He's not going to the to the pole. So it's if Frankenstein had changed his mind and not done this to this corpse, he'd be a prosperous scientist married with children in, in, right. in Geneva. <laughs> I'm Victor Frankenstein of Geneva. Right now. So it, it, it's not until you see how bad the Arctic stuff is to try to do. And no other movie that I remember really bothered to show that in the Frankenstein. You know, I, I really enjoyed that part. Yeah. And, it, and it's really cool just to show like um, – the two other people who are trying to push that boundary mm-hmm. and why it probably shouldn't have been mm-hmm. shouldn't have been pushed. The the I like calling it like the dark mentor. Mm-hmm. Uh, he kind of reminded me of uh, Snape a little bit because he had like oh, the long, yeah. yeah you know the long drape and not just the look but like his relationship to the character. Like you know he was kind of he was kind of helpful but also had sinister motivations. It was and what I, I he, he was sort of like the 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 showstopper for me a little bit in, right. in the movie um because he, he senses or i think he he hears victor talking during one of the lectures and then they have like a brief conversation he's kind of like so you're kind of like me you want to like do this but then he also doesn't want him to do it like he's, mm-hmm. he's like he wants to know there's other people mm-hmm. like him who want to push the boundaries yep. but he also knows where the boundaries are right you get that in hammer movies a lot better where where the the religious aspect is really you can tell it's it's dangerous to say or think or write certain things you right know? and and they're talking in code to each other and then all of a sudden they look at you and they're like oh yeah we're both maniacs <laughs> we don't have to talk in code anymore Woo-hoo! let's go like raid some graves and then um, so I do have, I do have another order of discussion that I think is okay. kind of interesting how the monster came to be okay, and how weirdly timely it was. Oh my God. That's right. So the whole reason oh Robert God. De Niro ends up, his character becomes the monster <laughs> is there's a, there's an epidemic <laughs> going around. And what was it? What was it that they were catching oh in there? It was God. like cholera, cholera. Yeah. And, and it was, I mean, it was, it, it, it was catching so fast 
that they were shutting the whole. It was it was like lockdown. It looked like our lockdown when it when the pandemic first hit. The, the the it started to spread through the movie, and I'm like, oh wow, that's really on the nose. And then the one person wouldn't take the vaccine. Yeah, this movie like, canonically makes the it, monster an anti-vaxxer. Yeah, it was in. It was it was just really chilling to see just just how it's handled in in that old time frame. Right, like, and how little has really changed about Bizarre. But it's just weird. It's just, that was a very, very weird moment. He's, like, denying the vaccine, and then he gets mad and kills But it was so, right, but it was so obvious, and that was part of the problem, is everything in this movie was on the nose or obvious. I was yeah. I was joking with you about the 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 lines about, you know, when, when you're making a Frankenstein movie, and you write down that you're having Frankenstein, Dr. Frankenstein, Victor Frankenstein, look at the camera and go... Uh, oh no! Have I gone too far? <laughs> I like, like, like maybe I should wave my finger through some flames a couple more times while I ponder this right, inquiry. Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's unbelievable how on the nose it was. If you told me in advance that you were making a Frankenstein movie and that you were having Frankenstein's character say that, I would tell you your movie was bad. I wouldn't have to see your movie. You could do that with lots of movies, right? Like like Dracula, he could be like, "You gonna drink that blood?" <laughs> Leatherface could say, "What you doing with that skin?" You know, right? <laughs> Amityville House would be like, uh, uh, yeah, I don't need to put a real realtor sign outside. <laughs> no, no, he'd get what? a spaceship. Yeah, well, yeah, you know, he'd get a spaceship. There's, it, you know, it's funny. There's, uh, there's ways to avoid this on the nose trap. Some of them are just to to be good at it. Like, you know, the good version, not exactly horror, but it's the first one that pops into my mind is Jurassic Park. Like, life will find a way. I mean, that's the message of the movie, but it's not the message of the movie, right? It's the elegant way to say the message of the movie and life will find a way is it applies to the dinosaurs, but it also applies to the good people trying to fight and save the people in the park, or whatever, which life finding a way against each other is a draw, which means you're just, it's going to happen over and over. Hence 25 of these goddamn movies. So, right. Right. So that's the good way to do it. One way to avoid being on the nose is not to know the message of your own movie, like King Kong and then get Kong. They're like, it was beauty. Beauty killed the beast. What? Huh? <laughs> That's what message is this of the movie? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> so you're not on the nose because you didn't even know what the hell your message was. So <laughs> like, there's different ways to not do it. Um, what some of the a lot of the reviews said that um, one of the problems with it, and it's kind of like that. Like I feel like the the director slash star mm-hmm. of of the movie, like he didn't really grasp that concept too hard because oh you're talking about Kenneth Branagh yeah he grasped it you see his abs he grasped it hard well he the problem is <laughs> is I don't know I feel like he cranked it to 11 too <laughs> many times like that's because that's what you were saying is is every scene like nothing not there was no subtlety in this movie uh, like there's a there was a ton of bad acting or it's not it's bad acting because it's so over the top. right but see okay so that is the mystery at the heart of this movie man Kenneth Branagh and Helena Bonham Carter, who have no chemistry together in this movie for some reason, like saying lines from Frankenstein to each other should be a dream. Yeah. You, <laughs> right. It should, it should not be a nightmare. It should right. be a dream. Like what is going on in this movie? And, and I, I drifted over to Ram Stoker's Dracula to try to diagnose it. Cause it sort of tried to happen over there too. Like Anthony Hopkins, has some not great moments in in Bram Stoker's Dracula. So maybe overacting was just in vogue, or maybe Kenneth Branagh saw Anthony Hopkins doing it 
in Bram Stoker's Dracula and thought, I cracked the code. That's what it is, right. but got it wrong because that's not what, not what it was. The research led him astray. <laughs> because Anthony Hopkins was way overacting, but for some reason he pulled it off probably because he's fucking Sir Anthony Hopkins. But regardless, that you, you're like, the, yeah, the act, the scenes are unwatchable. I'm like, but why are these actors at home? Like, what's happening? Well, it's, it's it, the visuals, and then I'll get to our third over discussion, which oh, I'm yeah. very excited for. Oh. This movie, I feel like, would be better. I mean, you couldn't. I don't think that you you would because it's it's it is rated R. I don't know why it's rated R. I mean, there's not a lot of like that makes no sense. There's like either. a weak. There's there, a lot there, of there's amniotic a, fluid. Well, that's <laughs> that's what we're <laughs> give me a straw buster. Um, <laughs> this movie felt like the type of movie when you're in like eighth grade, you see the TV cart getting wheeled in. Like it felt like a movie <laughs> that you would be forced, like a boring movie you'd be forced to watch in school. Yes. I don't know what it is about the cinematography in this movie. There are handfuls of really cool shots. There's a lot of there shots are. that you're like, wow, this is really great. But just as equally, there's a lot of shots where you're like, this is doo-doo. Yeah. It's like, weird. There are shots th- that look like they might have been pulled out of Warren Beatty's Dick Tracy, but bad? Worse than that? It's it's, it's, it's so hard to explain. Like this, this movie is pulling you in each direction and then sewing you back together and putting you in a bath of <laughs> ambionic fluid full of eels. Which leads me to my third order. Order. Yes. Order, order of discussion. Order, order in the court. Uh, ambionic fluids and abs. Oh, yeah. I just before you came over, I was messaging our, our good friend, Haunting Season, yes. and our and good friend Trevor, yes, uh, about us watching this movie, and <laughs> both people said, "I'm excited." I remember a lot of abs. <laughs> that was the first thing. So their order of discussion would have abs should be technically should be number one, right? And when, I agree with that. When the top, when the peak order of discussion of your movie, like so, the order of discussion of of the birds, the Hitchcock's movie, the birds is can humans control anything actually? Right. <laughs> right. The order of discussion for this is abs. It starts with abs, <laughs> amniotic fluid. That's why your order of discussion thing is so, it, it illuminates what's wrong. Right. It's, it's, I, I think it's a great way to filter out. Um, lot of, lot of, uh, amniotic fluids in this movie. Yes. To a disgusting amount. Yes. My favorite thing, so I did. So while I did start off saying my favorite thing was the lab, a few problems. <laughs> Not the ab, the lab. <laughs> yeah, abs, labs, abs, <laughs> dabs, and lads. <laughs> I don't know that last one didn't really fit. Um, the lab is an an, an attic, yeah. right? We don't know who's on the floor below them. But there is a point in the film where the entire attic is like a foot and a half of. <laughs> amniotic fluids yeah and, and and it makes no sense that it's not just destroying everyone but i was hoping they would cut to a scene of like a family getting ready to eat and like you just see some fluids like dripping on their yams or something they're like honey what's that and it's like <laughs> or like the, or they can film it like that moment in nice guys when they throw the dead body over the oh, side yeah. of the and it's just like a cascade of amniotic fluids just just a nasty amount. And I will say this. If you're listening to the episode, if there's any scene from the movie, I think you should go on YouTube and find. It's the scene when Victor is trying to drag the monster out of the pool of fluids. It is, it is I felt like I it, was having a stroke. It is, I, it is. So there are certain there are certain scenes where if you timed it just right, if you walked in to a room where someone was watching it on their computer on TV at exactly the wrong moment. It would just be super disturbing, and this is an all timer. This because it's literally, 
just two human forms in goo apparently trying to help each other up and falling down for like three consecutive minutes. It is minutes. so long. And it, the it's cuts, like a Nickelodeon gone uh, gone horribly wrong. I feel like the editor was listening to like freeform jazz as he cut it. Like he just was just, it makes no sense. Like it is just, it is cut. It is the most wonky cut scene I think I've ever seen. It is so Jerry, like a lot of people mm. like to talk about that scene in Taken <laughs> where it's like 13 shots for Liam Neeson to cut over a fence. This rivals that. Oh, like, I oh, think this absolutely. has, I think this might have more cuts than that. It's... And it is just naked Robert De Niro <laughs> covered in goo yep. trying to get dragged out by six minute abs. Yeah. And it's failing. It is the it's... weirdest scene I've ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> and also, we we got to talk about this along along with the the, the fluids. Um, <laughs> lots of see, lots of uh, eels. Yes, eels eels galore. So the eels lightning's out. Are the yeah lightning's out? Eels are in. <laughs> eels are in. <laughs> I love while we were watching the movie, you kept turning to me and being like, you know, he's just paying off his eel guy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It was that like Steve from the office. Who's your worm guy? I kept I kept going. Who's his eel guy? Like, I don't know. Like, I think I thought they were laying. Are they the same eels? Are they recharging in between resurrections? Well, I feel bad for him because. Different eels? What's happening? Well, he's, he keeps the eels in like a leather sack hoisted above <laughs> the, the, the amniotic fluid <laughs> casket. Uh-huh. And then he shoots them. <laughs> he shoots them in. And it looks like those. Have you ever seen like when they're trying to like uh, bring fish back into like a lake? They have like those big tubes mm-hmm. and they just like shoot yeah, salmon yeah. into it. It's basically that, but just yeah, with electric they, eels. They like shirt cannon. Yeah, they do. They shirt cannon the eels into the into the sand or the water. Yeah, and they're just they're just sitting there in that fluid, just chilling. And I was like, I thought of, it's funny when I woke up this morning. I was thinking about this movie and just like how like why I was trying to like trying to like wonder why is it shot half beautifully half terrible but then i was like you know i had a fish a couple times in my life and you have to change the water those eels are just <laughs> just hanging out in leathery sacks of <laughs> amniotic fluid and somehow they're still alive i don't know i think he feeds them like a hunk of meat at one point in time and you see them you know, kind of get their spark. Oh, back. the movie has Karen feeding of electric eels. I missed that part. It was it was weird. I missed. I definitely missed hoisting <laughs> him up during a thunderstorm. <laughs> I get that. Um, the eels were an interesting, and they're portable. He brought them into like the loft to do it. Hey, I it fi- was the the futon. Victor's a little prankster. He's always got a pocket full of eels. <laughs> <laughs> you never know. That's why you can't mess he with. He just them. resurrects your dog. He'll just you're slap like, you with a like, slap you with an eel. All right, so that's not good. Um, the there and then there's one other scene in there that's pretty bad, and it's okay. apparently he controls. <laughs> it's, yeah, yeah. Well, it, it was it was bad enough that we 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 did have quite the discussion over it. It was apparently he's also Storm from X Men and can control when it's gonna. There's a really weird scene where him and his family are just up at this mountaintop, hanging out, and there's one dark cloud yeah. just full of electrons or whatever yeah, it's like a progressive commercial like yeah one dark cloud going across a blue sky yeah, it's like is your family ready for the <laughs> for whatever life may bring you <laughs> right jk simmons is gonna farmers is this a cloud yeah. <laughs> you ever been hanging out with your family farmers we've seen that right. and victor looks at his family and he's randomly like he just has like a bunch of these like lightning poles and he sticks them in the ground they have blankets that lay them down he's like everybody lay down and then he like counts down to like 
thunder and you you made a comment of like how does he know when it's gonna strike like how does and then they get up and they kind of just hold their hands up what was that Kristen? um oh god that that movie where the world ends and it has a uh, kirsten Dunst. oh antichrist oh not antichrist uh melancholia sorry yeah you know yeah. where she holds her hands yeah, up yeah, yeah, yeah. There? they kind of do that yeah, and yeah. everyone's looking and they're watching like like little shocks of like lightning yeah. electricity like yeah, yeah. dance around their fingertips so, so so this scene could have been so cool right because basically what's happening here is what they're trying to demonstrate is that frankenstein's brain is useful for society the whole point of not the whole point is the book. It's the greatest horror novel ever written. It's got a million points, but one of the main points of, of the book is that the same thing that, that humans are bad at things right. is the point. Right. So the, he's trying to, he can protect people in his close circle, but he's also bad for the people in his close circle. Right. Like Vladimir Putin was really good for the rich billionaires in Russia until he wasn't. Right. <laughs> right. Like it's high risk, high reward. So he's a high risk, high reward person to be related to or around or whatever, Frankenstein. Right. So the, the benefit is high risk. If you're, for sure. if you're going across a mountain and it's a blue sky and a rogue lightning bolt cloud comes by in this time period and you're the highest point and you can't get lower. You could get fried and you got nothing to do about it. Like, what are you going to do? You don't know how anything works unless you're Victor Frankenstein. Then you pull out your little mini lightning rods and you set them up all around. And then you divert the lightning, you ground it. And no one else would know how to do that. And your family saved. Yay. It could have been such a cool scene. It was filmed so weird and bad. It, it just... It felt trippy. Like, it was just like, why are we doing this? Like, why are... Why his brain are... was saving them, and his brain's going to destroy them. That's, that's... See, and that's the problem with this movie, man. It's like, it ha- it has some, like, it, 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 it does have some, like, interesting, um, like, him battling, should he push the envelope further? Right. Versus, you know, should we just kind of stay in our well, lane? Like, was, that part I mean, of the movie was actually... Right, because the elephant in the room is, it's it's trying to do... Remember, it was a big deal at the time. Bram Stoker's Dracula was a big deal at the time that it was going to be faithful to the book. Right. Which, which it wasn't, but it was going to be faithful, more faithful <laughs> to the book than other adaptations, yeah. right? This was going to be more faithful to the book. So there was a lot more talking and gowns and Downton Abbey oh God, yeah. stuff and like whatever because it was going to be more dancing. faithful to, a lot of to, dancing. to the to, <laughs> To the book, right? So you could tell, and faithful to the book could be good if you do it right. And like that's, a, I mean, I don't. That's a lot. That's a laudable. You want that in a filmmaker sometimes, right? right. It just did not pay off at all because they didn't know how to do it at all, right? But if you're if you're being faithful to to the book, you, you so you can't ignore the movie, <laughs> right? Like the movie is so a foundation of the genre you're working in and films in general and like whatever. And culturally the character just came out into the universe and lives with us. Now you can't avoid this. Like the spirit of the beehive exists. You can't pretend the movie yeah. is real. It's like going to the front of a cruise ship and pretending the wind isn't there. Try that. <laughs> Sometimes <laughs> That's right? hard one. like the, the movie is pulling this character in a certain direction. And the, this Branagh's movies pretending that that movie doesn't exist. It's just diving into the book. And that, that's never going to work. No. But you, it's it's going to work as well as pretending the wind in the cruise ship doesn't exist. So. I will say this, though. Um, they Because whenever you talk about the book, everyone always talks about how the, the monster is actually very smart and articulate. Mm-hmm. And I did dig that the movie tried to put the brain of his 
who we keep calling the dark professor in there so that mm-hmm. he could keep that you know that legacy and that those ideas alive and then it gets hit with a giant piece of wood it's just that's <laughs> out the out the window but <laughs> when you I, say it like that <laughs> i did i did enjoy i did enjoy why saying would you that. bother do you hear what you just said out loud you're gonna you're gonna be faithful to the book well a, a huge chunk of the book is told from the creature's point of view like very articulately so you give the creature a brain you hit him with a piece of wood, and then he walks around. And he's like, "Revenge!" <laughs> <laughs> but, like, but that, what kind of but, fucked up compromises? But what I enjoyed was how <laughs> violent Frankenstein was. Yeah, because normally, you know, Frankenstein's terrorizing a town, but it's just him like walking Actually, around right, with his right, arms out. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's right, not like okay, that's right. terrorizing right, town. Right. Like, he just looks right. weird. No. I did enjoy the fact that he was really brutal yes. in this. It was kind of cool to see like a Frankenstein's yep. monster yep. who was like, I mean, he pulls. Uh, Frankenstein's wife's heart out yep. and holds it up to him. Yep. That was really cool. Yeah, that was cool. Uh, the gore in the movie is not pretty, bad. Pretty good, actually. It looks pretty good. Pretty good. Um, when they're doing the surgery and they cut open the, you know, the head yep. and like they're doing that kind of stuff, yep. I, I, I thought that was great. Uh, putting the body parts together, um, the sewing all looked painful. Yeah, even the creature's designs themselves, except for the epic Helen of Bonham Carter failed, were, were really good. I mean, except if you got too close on them, it, it got a little weird. But basically, for what it was going for, I thought it was good. What did you think um, about Robert De Niro as the, the monster? He's terrible. I mean, he had, no ch- he had no chance because he was encased in this... This outfit, this outfit or this design or whatever. Like, remember, Boris Karloff is just acting with body language. Yeah. You know, ever so. Uh, it's not, you know, that you can't, it's hard to do the, that's not what he's built for. He's not Kane Otter. <laughs> he's yeah. Robert De Niro. It, it, it got worse when he started talking. When you just looked right. at him at first, like, I thought, all right, that's this pretty, be okay, it's right? pretty neat. But then at the end, when he starts to like look through the journal and become a little bit more articulate. Yep. <laughs> so, so, so doesn't the act the Robert De Niro voice that everybody knows? Mm-hmm. He's starting to talk, and all you can hear is Robert De Niro. Yeah, and it, the cab. And yeah, and it just it totally just pu- it pulls you out so hard. And like that that did that did kind of bite. Yeah, and, and the thing is, it's not. I don't think anyone. I don't think there's anyone in the world. I don't think Andy Serkis. I don't think you could put anyone into that situation with the way this movie was done. And have them pull off that character. There's just no way to make that work because the movie doesn't know what it is. It's two scripts sewn together. It's two ideas trying to. Oh, that's another interesting thing. Frank, Frank Darabont. <laughs> Frank Darabont's name is credited with it, right? But what you, you said, he said something. Like he, I, I, you know, I, there's a lot. There's gonna be people a lot more knowledgeable on the, all that than me. It's it, my impression from it was is that it was sort of like a David Fincher Alien Three situation. Like I right. tried, but they didn't use what I was trying that much. And the interesting thing, this is an older thing that I had found, so I don't know where the status of this is now, but it said that Guillermo del Toro was, one of his dream projects was to redo this Mary Shelley's Frankenstein with Frank Darabont's actual script and not the way this movie was. I wonder if that's available online. Was done. What do you mean? I wonder if that script, like the one oh, that you yeah. wrote, is. I, yeah, I don't know. Because apparently, London After I went on a weird London After Oh, Midnight I trip. love this. Apparently, that, that script is available, and I think was it Turner classic movies or something like that? Like they like sort of did like a play ish kind of thing, recreating it. I heard that. Yeah. But I think it was like 21 minutes shorter than the actual runtime right. of the, of the movie, which I can go on that rabbit hole later. <laughs> but I do think the Frank Darabont thing is interesting. Cause a few years after that, like green mile comes out yeah. and 
you know, that's <laughs> pretty good. Well, I mean, yeah, Mist. I mean, this guy's like he's like really talented. He puts right. his name on something. The walking first, the, oh, the the only like the amazing season of Walking Dead. Yeah. Come on now. No, that's all. That's all really good stuff. I I, I would be cool if Guillermo del Toro did. Right. Frank, I mean, if you say Guillermo del Toro and Frankenstein, I don't think anyone's gonna be like, no, no, no. Yeah, <laughs> man, that guy does he do creatures much? He actually did the introduction to the the Frankenstein, the edition of the Penguin classic. The 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 uh, he did a he did a general introduction for that series. Oh, that's so awesome! So you know he loves those monsters like nothing else. I would I would kill to see that. That would be yeah. that would be pretty nice. But anyways, that, but what it shows is that this movie. Starts as one thing, tries to become something else, which is sort of fitting. For yeah, the subject matter, <laughs> but not not for good movies. The plank that hit—that's how you make ramshackle monsters, but it's not how you make real efficient. The plank that hit Frankenstein's head when it hit, <laughs> hit the movie. hit the yeah hit the producers <laughs> and the director and everyone. They, they kind of forgot what they were. But here's the thing: I got I got to admit I don't know I don't know if we're done or whatever. But I'm just gonna say because I'll forget it. I'm just I I, I know we're not at the rating yet, but I I'm telling you if this movie comes on five years from now somewhere in a certain segments of this movie i'll watch some of it and i don't usually do that with movies i didn't like so there's something in here like i agree with you likable in here there is some there is something likable i think it's because there are there are scenes that are really good there are sets that Mm -hmm. are really good there are shots that are really good what's the best moment in this movie oh fuck because i it 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 to me it's it's weird because it's not, um, it's not it 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 fell apart. So it's not even a whole moment. But the, when you, the thing you're saying when Frank when when Frankenstein's monster pulls out her heart, shows it to him, and then leaps out, and there's this moment where the beautiful because part of what's disappointing about this movie to me was, you know, the amazing kind of like party village scenes in the original Frankensteins. There's nothing with the, the gravitas of the, the parent walking with the child down right. the street where you're getting a sense of what that village is like, but also how horrendous this moment is at the same time, which is weird because that movie was made for like $7 compared to the movie we're <laughs> yeah. watching now. And the movie we're watching now loses to that, which is weird. That it, it, but, yeah. But you know that you're, you, it, it's not, you don't get like the moments like that, but when he leapt out and you saw this beautiful thing all falling apart, like the flames and the terror and the whatever framed against the creature, just like unpredictably leaping out into the darkness. It was a cool shot. And then right. it, was, it went, but I love that moment. I also like when De Niro says he didn't give me a name that hit, oh. that, that hit me. That was uh, yeah. that's not in other Frankensteins. And when he's sitting there next to his dead creator, which was shot ridiculously, like he's just sitting there next to him, like he found him on a couch or whatever, but he's like sitting next to him and, and the people find him with the next to dead Kenneth Branagh and the creatures, and they're like, you know, and he looks at him, and now that he's dead, so he, that's his father, and he has no other parents, right? So he's nameless forever now, right? And with the jokes about Frankenstein's creature and screwing up the name, or whatever, like they took that name thing and made it hit. Like that's a, that's I a, agree with that's that. a home run. That's my other favorite moment. My favorite moment in the movie would probably be the argument that Victor has with the teacher at the college. Oh shit. 
that scene was great. I don't know the name of the actor who played the professor. It wasn't it wasn't the John Cleese. Right, right. Whoever, no, I know what you mean. Yeah. The, the professor who wanted the one to who was, stick to the book. Yeah, yeah. Stick to Stop physics. being a rebel. Yeah, I that that conversation and that back and forth I thought was really good. That was a great scene, although I kept getting distracted by the Geneva hate. This movie hates Gen- oh, the city of Geneva. <laughs> and it's so funny because they keep saying it like, you know, uh, you know, we finally got everything in order. This town has settled down and, you know, we're fine. Oh, oh, wait, who's that coming down the road? Oh, God damn it. It's Victor Frankenstein. Like, uh, Geneva. Like, <laughs> you're supposed to be hitting Frankenstein, not Geneva. <laughs> like, what's happening here? I wonder. I was trying to look it up while you were saying that. I forgot. I was like, do they not like Godiva chocolate? But I don't know if Godiva chocolate's made in <laughs> Geneva. I just pulled that out of my ass. I don't know, but this city, um, uh, this this movie, unaccountably hits Geneva. <laughs> but I suspect Geneva stands for like the class and establishment, and I'm mean, sorry, the reverse of class and establishment. And Geneva's stood for like the you know the rev. It's like. What would this be in America? It would have been like Berkeley in the sixties. Mm. Geneva is probably their Berkeley. Go figure. But I'll say in that in that scene because there's a lot of uh, other scenes where the emotions and acting are jacked up to an eleven when they should they should be at like a six. You know they should just really bring it down. That was the one scene where I felt like they they did heighten it and it warranted yep. that that level of dialogue and discussion and heat throwing at each other. Because yep. um, because then it's also he's the guy who's questioning the whole morale of what. Victor's doing and bringing some sense he's bringing sense to it but at the same time like you you agree it's it the the reason I like it is you agree with both you're like stick to what we know work within the boundaries of physics but also didn't know where this story was headed you would 100% agree with Victor yes knowing where the story is headed you now agree with both and that's why I like that scene it gave you it gave you a little bit of something for both for both characters it was the best acted scene because people got to scream and it made sense and not (laughs) scream they didn't run out like Bilbo Baggins did on the stairs covered in blood Who Jenny kept calling Bobo Baggins, which is now. Oh his my god, new... my contact almost fell out from laughing. <laughs> his new name is now forever Bobo Baggins. <laughs> um, where do we? We have to. We have to rate it. This is a sewn in half movie. I'm gonna. I'm gonna push it up one inch to fifty. It's exactly a fifty. It's exactly divided against. Oh, that's itself. a good. It's a draw. This movie is a draw against itself. It, it gained one percent to me. Wow, that's interesting. I, I, wow. I think I'm gonna I'm gonna steal that. I'm gonna piggyback. <laughs> I, I mean, honestly, what other answer could there be? Yeah, I don't. I, that's the thing is, I, I honestly, God, I don't not, know because it's lower in in some aggregator, and there's some, and I get it. Like I, hate, yeah, like on Rotten Tomatoes, the critics movie, like 36. I have sat through movies that that I thought were tragically badly executed at the same level of this and had one third of the good time I had with this for some reason. So yeah. And we kept good saying, time score, you know, better. Uh, we kept saying riff tracks needs to do this. Yeah. If they haven't, I don't know that they haven't, but they, and, I'll look it up. And I, I, you know, just to cleanse the palate, I got, I got to say, you know, I'm a huge Shakespeare fan. Kenneth Branagh's Hamlet, which I, which I saw literally in the theater, which is more than four hours. I had an intermission. Wow. Right? Is amazing. Has everybody in Hollywood back when before the internet when you had to do the Kevin Bacon connection yeah. game? This was the movie. You yeah, this you was the movie that, that up. And... This movie had Jack Lemmon, Robin Williams. It had this movie had for some reason everyone is it's Charlton Aston. Wow. It had young and had old. Everyone's in this movie. 
Um, Robin Williams doing Shakespeare is amazing. I want like, to see that. Like legitimately serious Shakespeare. Him doing it is amazing, by the way. So Kenneth Branagh is really accomplished. My favorite thing he did was Conspiracy, which is an HBO production of like a of, of a story about Nazi Germany, whatever, which is really chilling. Don't watch it at a depressing time. Like now, watch it later. But mm-hmm. it's an incredible. Like he's not bad. He's not a bad actor. Um, I don't know. Like, I don't want to hate on everyone in this movie is, are, are, they're all very talented. This movie is just, I mean, this happens with artistic enterprises that are huge collaborations. Sometimes they, they, you know, they, they collapse against themselves in the middle and it's a 50%. And I didn't realize this until we watched this and we started talking about his other films. Mm-hmm. Like he did Cinderella. Yeah. Uh, the, done tons of shit. Modern. He works, he works with, um, a composer who I really like named Patrick Doyle. Okay. The music in the movie is not too bad. There's nothing that really stands out. Oh, no. There are a lot of scenes. That's not true. That is, I completely just lied to everyone. <laughs> there are a lot of scenes where there's just music playing and yeah. it's not serving the movie no, or anything. Strange. And it's just kind of there. Yeah. That's why it feels like one of those movies they would have shown you in school. Where you're like, this is kind of boring because they're playing like classical music. And you're like, what is this? What is this? But uh, Patrick Doyle has a... Uh, so uh, the Cinderella soundtrack, there are some great. Oh some, shit! I will. I'll be honest. There's a song. I can't pronounce it. It's love. How do you say that? You, do you know French better than I do? I, probably. I, which I, one? The, the, one the, you're the, the yeah. Uh, I know. Laval's L'Amour. Yeah, whatever that song is. Listen to that one. That's a that is a great song. I I haven't even seen the Cinderella movie, but I got that song on my Spotify. Like it is <laughs> like that composer is great. Definitely. After this episode, do yourself a favor and sit down and watch consecutively Cinderella and Conspiracy. You'll have a great. And just you'll have a great. Time. And you'll 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 feel great. And then, <laughs> then then Hamlet, and we'll just fill up the rest of your <laughs> Hamlet. Yeah, and then just tune into our next episode next week. And we'll, yeah, because it'll, it'll by be, the time it ends, loading. we'll be we'll be finishing up. We'll be finishing up the next one. So, all right. Well, do we want to? Is there more horror hotel updates, or are we? Absolutely. This is this is this is a, this is the month to get it. Oh right, we're in March. Now. We're in March. Yeah, we have a lot of we have a lot of marketing stuff. We're time to check into a new hotel, spring cleaning, and. Check it out. It's still it's still trending on Amazon. It's doing really well. Let's buy it. Get the if you haven't done if you're an Audible person like me, I get all my I don't I haven't read like a book book right like, forever. <laughs> so, Apparently, when I, I we talked to this when I open a book, I just start seeing lines between words. I don't know. I got to get that diagnosed. I don't know what it is. I really don't. I just start seeing lines and I start. Tripping. Someone let Nick know what that is in a review. Yeah, does anyone else do that? <laughs> Anyways, audiobooks for the win. The yeah. audiobook production is. Amazing, oh, yeah, absolutely, it's but really good, and but definitely the audiobook. So, here's the this, we're promoting two sides of this now. So, I am a super pro the audiobook for this. He everything he said is totally true, but the cover of this book is so good, it's that very I just good. had to have it on my shelf. Like, you know, what I mean, like, mm-hmm. so get 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 one of each, like, yeah, get one, do <laughs> get, one, get one of each. It's not, it's not, it's not, it's not right, to, right to it. all right. And until next time, stay scary, watch a bunch of horror movies, read a bunch of horror books. Well, which is very fitting for the for Frankenstein. <laughs> Indeed. That is that is that is full that is how we like to end the show. It's completely. alive or as or as this character said in this what's his version of this one? Oh Live. He just keeps screaming live. That's oh God. And and you know, if you if you find yourself covered in any kind of un, gross, any kind of fluids watch yourself off and watch some horror movies. <laughs> Talk to you guys next time. Bye. Bye.